struggles and the things that they're in in this days in this world. And man, I've been praying all week, God, help us to make some kind of difference. Help the leaders to make some kind of difference. And to be honest, it's help, help them to make a difference in the lives of each other. You know, sometimes, same as adults, good, good friendships mean a lot. Positive influence is everything. So even somebody in your own age group, it's just... So I'm, I'm excited. I'm very thankful that the Lord worked out a way that we were able to do camp. Um, seeing the way the day camp's working, um, it'll probably be hard-pressed to talk ourselves into going back to a night camp again. Um, but it, it's working very well as it is. So I appreciate you continue to pray for them and certainly for the safety and all that's going on out there. Um, prayer list, certainly remember Miss Teresa Lovern and, and her, her chemo treatments, things she's going through. Mr. Garvis McKean, I, I, used to, I was keeping in touch with Mr. Garvis McKean every week. And I thought when I was looking at the prayer list early, earlier today and, and was praying, I thought, man, I've got to call him, but I still haven't done it today. But if you remember Mr. Garvis, and I'm going to try to touch base him before the week's out, see how he's been. Um, Jerry and Cheryl Presnell continue to stay on here. I do know that Ms. Wilman's supposed to be moving in with Susan, I think, this week. Try to give Jerry and Cheryl a little bit of a break there. Continue to pray for Ms. Wilman, the dimensions and all. But um, Ms. Gail Hammond, it was good to see her here Sunday. But continue to pray for her and Ms. Mary Ellen both. They need it. Um, certainly Tim's dad. Um, if you continue to pray for him. and Prostate cancer, all these dealing with. Um, Michelle Nichols, I've still got her on here. Continue to pray. Um, how, how's April? About two weeks. <laughs> yeah, if you'll keep keep both of them on, on your prayer list. Um, so my dad and, and my sister, uh, Regina, you will be going tomorrow for chemo in Atlanta. Um, Randy and Selena, I'm going to put you on the praise list. Y'all pass the prayer list now. I'm going to put you on the praise list. Your, your, test, your tests were good. Well, there's been too many highs to have any lows. You can breathe. Ribs are good. Yeah. He he said, I can scratch him off. We'll just keep you all on the praise list. How about that? Um, certainly, Miss, Miss Phyllis Mills, continue to pray for her. The little stroke she had a little more than a week ago. Um, still having difficulties. As usual, she has a rough time anyway. And Brother Terry Aldridge, if you've not talked to Brother Terry in a while, it'd really do you good to maybe call and talk to him if, if he can even talk to you. I can tell you his health has deteriorated greatly probably since the last time a lot of you saw him. Miss um, uh, Phyllis is wore out. Um, she's a full-time caretaker, and Mr. Terry can't do much on his own. I'm just going to tell you, I need to pray for both of them. They need a miracle is what they need. Um, I... I we talked about it, Rob, and I was talking about it yesterday and, and praying for him, but it's almost like he never really got over COVID. It's like one thing after another, and, and it's just uh, really, really got him down. And um, also, uh, last week, I asked Robin asked to pray for um, Palmer, um, and I guess y'all know uh, we thought he was doing great. I mean, he, they took him off the vent, sent him home on auction, was better, but he passed away this week, so... So if you pray for all of his family and all of them out at, out at Publix and all his friends, they're just um, very well-known family around town, so a lot of people are going to feel that one for a while. If you'd pray for his family, 
Um, pray for his daughters. I know they greatly appreciate it. They, they're going to need it. So um, any more need to add to the prayer list tonight? Junior? Certainly pray for Jackson. Um, put that on there while I got it on here. Right. These smartphones, I don't want to call them smartphones because it will not do what I'm telling it to do. No, it ain't smart enough to do what I'm telling it to do. <laughs> two weeks. So we got two of them coming in two weeks. So Matthew said she thought she was going to have hers this week. She says she didn't think she's going to wait two more weeks. I thought she's going to pop Sunday. <laughs> oh, bless her heart. God help them. Um, any more prayer requests? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. God, thank you for loving us in spite of us. Thank you, God, that you are a blessed assurance. Thank you for the promised home and glory. Thank you, Father, for letting us serve you here in this life. God, thank you for making us usable vessels. Thank you, Father, for your love and compassion and, Lord, your long-suffering for us, God. Lord, I pray for the children out there. I pray you continue to bless the camp. We pray for all these that are sick. Ask you to reach down and touch, give healing where each one is needed, God. And, Lord, I pray, Father, you just help us tonight to learn something from your word that'd make us a better servant for you. We love you, God. You've been good to us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in Romans chapter 14 is a little bit different. I studied this a little bit back, and I've been studying looking back and forth to try to make sure that, that I have some of this right because it's a little bit different. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've never preached a message that didn't have something in it for me. I learned a lot in the weeks prior to preaching anything I preached. I learned a lot in the study and a lot of things to try to shape me and to mold me and to make me better. But I learned something in particular about myself in this one that I've never really looked at quite like this before. Um, maybe pray that the Lord would give me a, a chance to kind of maybe illustrate that tonight. But Paul is dealing with the issue of the weaker vessel or the weaker brother here in chapter 14. Many times when we think of the weaker brother, the, the mind automatically goes out to think of the ones who never come to church. We see them every once in a while on Sunday, and we look at them as weaker vessels. Or we think of the ones um, that, that are still maybe living somewhat in their old habits or doing some of the things they did before they got saved, and, and we call them weaker vessels. And I don't know that I would argue that point. That might still be the case, but that's not who Paul is dealing with here in this text. Paul is dealing with some weaker vessels that consider themselves to be the strongest vessels in the church. So we'll get to that in a minute because many times there's those in the church that they, they think they're the stronger vessels based on works, 
the, the way they do, the way they dress, the way, um, the way they hold on to traditions, the way they hold on to things like legalism. Paul is referring to them here as weaker vessels, even though they consider themselves to be stronger vessels. Here in the church at Rome, there would have been a great mixture of Christian Jews and Christian Gentiles. You're right in the heart of where it's all combined. So you've got both of them in the church. So therefore, it means that the Jews are going to bring a lot of their Old Testament laws into the church. They're going to bring a lot of the Old Testament traditions, the old temple practices, things that they did prior to the coming of Christ. But then on the other hand, you've got the Gentiles coming from Rome had all kind of false god. Paganism was a big thing, all kind of idol worship and false false god traditions that are brought in. So you've got Christians coming from both sides of the fence, bringing in all their traditions and all their things of the past. So there's a lot of issues in the church here concerning things like fasting and concerning things like certain days of the week. Some days are more important than other days or certain feasts have to be kept or, or things like um, circumcision is a big deal. In the book of Acts, and I didn't tell this to Larry, so this ain't where he got it from, but in the book of Acts, Luke says in chapter 15, talking the Acts of the Apostles, verse 1, says that certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. That's not true, is it? But it is taught in the church by someone who thinks they are a teacher. They see themselves as a stronger vessel, but they're holding on to a tradition. So technically, they're a, a weaker vessel. He says, except after the manner of Moses, you be circumcised. After the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them. What does that mean? They had an argument. They had a good old church fight. You can call it what you want, but I imagine that one got... That one got some elevated voices, and it wasn't singing great hallelujahs. It says that they had no small dissension and disputation. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem and to the apostles and elders about this question. So we see that some of the things that were brought forward into the church are causing some heated arguments within the church. So chapter 14 here is designed to settle some, some difficult and, and some delicate issues going on in the church. Let's go ahead and look at, I don't have a clock anywhere. We'll try to get out by nine, camps out. Well, don't, you don't have to go get kids. I can preach as long as I want to, can I? I'm going to put a clock there, and I don't really know why, because I don't have a cutoff time. I don't have to let y'all out by eight. Let's read about the first half of chapter 14. We might be able to cover about that much. Now, verse number one says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, Another who is weak eateth herbs. That means that he, he does need meat. <laughs> let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. There's an amen, hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus, right there. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not? Thy brother, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So Paul has been dealing, as we've been looking at and studying, been dealing with the subject of love. And then he turns here to the weaker vessel. I, as everything God does is perfect and everything God's word is perfect, but he's been talking about love. That's a perfect time to become uh, to turn around and start dealing with the subject right here because love is about the only thing that can help us as people put up with each other. Amen, Amen on a Wednesday night. Y'all go ahead and say it. I love y'all and y'all love me, but we still have to put up with folks. Some of the people we love the most, we still put up with some stuff. Go ahead and say amen on a Wednesday night. It's okay. We ain't going to ruffle no feathers. The truth is we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different teachings in our past. We've grown up with a different level of teaching, a different line of teaching. We brought different traditions. We have different personalities. We have different things that we like, different things that we dislike. In Paul's day here, he's dealing with the Christian Jew and the Christian Gentile. You think we've got different backgrounds. I mean, he's dealing with night and day, two different worlds and come together from two different Two completely different places, different backgrounds in their tradition. You take the Old Testament Jew, they were forbidden to eat meat that was sacrificed to idols. They had to wash their hands a certain way before they could eat. They had those certain days of the week pertaining to worship that had to be observed. They had certain ways that they had to dress at certain times on certain days. They had all of those feasts that had to be observed all throughout the years, certain feasts and even the Feast of Weeks. And, and all of those things were the Old Testament law. But Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law. And then he gave us the two law, love God, love man. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. The law and the prophet was all the Old Testament. That's what the Jew knew it as. So in verse number one, Paul says, him that is weak in the faith. This isn't talking about salvation by faith. It's talking about weakness within their salvation. Th those who are not fully established in the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's why I tell you it's important to read the word of God. Not just read devotions, not just go to church, not just listen to preaching. You need to read that book for yourself. Spend time in the prayer and let the Holy Spirit show you things that are in it so, so that you be fully established in Christ. People, people who, who aren't established, they're, they're not really fully grounded in the things that, that Jesus taught like mercy. Mercy overrules a lot of stuff. Thank God. Grace overrules a lot of stuff. Thank God. Love overcomes a lot of stuff. Thank God. And those are the foundations of the things that, that Jesus taught on. So, so people have more judgmental views on things because they haven't fully grasped the liberty that we have in Christ. Anybody got liberty? Anybody thankful for liberty? They, they've not fully grasped that. The weaker brother, just because he sees somebody doing something that he doesn't agree with, then he condemns that person. He condemns their actions. He bases salvation on the things that he sees on the outside 
and not what happens on the inside of a person. Whenever he sees somebody doing something that he doesn't agree with, then he automatically assumes that that person's motives are wrong, so he judges them accordingly. Now, we're not talking about sin right here. We're not talking about things that are blatant sin, obvious sin. Sin is anything that is contrary to the law of God, but man is very good at adding their own laws to the law of God. Somebody go ahead and say amen. If you grew up in some old school religion, you've been to some legalistic preaching churches, you understand that a lot of people are very good at adding to the law of God and calling it the law and saying, if you're going to be saved, this is the way you got to act, dress, look, I ain't got to do all that on Wednesday night, do it? Y'all know what I'm talking about. People add their own twist to the Bible as to what they want to say. In the church at Rome here where Paul has addressed this original letter, there were those who were saved from deep within paganism. There were all kinds of false gods there. And, and now you come up with the Jew who says you, you can't eat meat that is sacrificed to idols. But for the true Christian Jew, maybe he understands his liberty. Maybe he understands the, the, the love and the grace and the mercy that God has given him. And he goes to the marketplace and he buys meat from the marketplace and he goes home, prepares it to eat. You got somebody condemning him because maybe that meat had been sacrificed to an idol somewhere. It doesn't matter. It's been brought to the marketplace it's been listed for sale. All he's done is bought it. But you got somebody over here saying, well, they're accusing them of contributing to idolatry because they bought that. All they're doing is dragging things in, right? So you got all these certain days, all these ceremonies. You got dress codes and all this Old Testament Judaism that has been brought in. So, so the Christian Jew who is weak in the faith, is holding on to all the Old Testament stuff. That's what you read about there in Acts chapter 15. That's what Luke is talking about. You got some people who claim to have gotten saved who are Jews, but they say you still got to be circumcised. You can't be saved if you've not been circumcised. So they said the blood of Jesus is almost enough, right? But you still got to have something else. No, you don't. The blood of Jesus. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. It is the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus alone. But they've added some, some stuff to it. So each one here condemned the other because each one thought that their way was right and anything else was wrong. Anybody know anything like that? There, there's a lot of my way or the highway churches still alive and well today. There's a lot of my way or the highway preaching still alive and well today. If it's based on the Word of God, then it ain't your way, it's God's way. And it is the right way. But there's too many traditions of men that are being brought in. But today, it's not about feast, it's not about meats, it's not about certain days of the week. It's about things like dress code. Well, if you don't dress right, you can't be a Christian. But you can't come up in the house of God looking like that if you got any kind of respect for the house of God. You've got to dress a certain way. You've got to look a certain part. It, it's, it, today it's about things like tattoos. I, I heard that growing up. Well, the Bible says man can't have no marks on his body. If he got a tattoo, he's going straight to hell. Anybody ever hear that? I ain't the only group in some of this old school stuff, am I? There's a lot of things going on. I, I've, heard, I've heard if you smoke cigarettes, you're going straight to hell. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. If you smoke, that's your business, but it's bad for your health. 
is bad for the health of everybody around you. But I don't find a scripture in there that, that says you're going to go to hell. You kind of like that old, that, the, the elder lady right with the snuff. Preacher preaching on, if you smoke cigarettes, you go to hell. Say, anybody burn anything tastes this good, they all go to hell. You know, as long as, long as, as, long as it ain't what you're doing, it's okay, right? What, what we're doing is fine, but the way somebody else does it, it's got to be wrong. T today, it's about things like whether or not women ought to wear pants. Today, it's about things like whether or not women ought to get their hair cut or let it get full length. It's thing about things like whether or not men should, should wear shorts. It's about uh, whether or not women ought to wear makeup. Ike Reichert, I've said it before, <laughs> he used to always say, I hear preachers preaching, they say it's a sin for a woman to wear makeup, but I'm here to tell you I believe it ought to be a sin for some women, or some women not to. That was Ike saying, he said, I'm, I'm sticking to it. But, but people from different churches, they have their own different ideas, and unfortunately a lot of times it's pushed from the pulpit, and a lot of times it's opinion, and it comes from all this, this area, and anybody who does not agree with that line of thinking can't be a Christian. And anybody who, who doesn't agree with this, well, let, let, let me just make it this simple. If you want to preach it and teach it, that's fine. If you want to preach it and teach it to me, that's fine. Give me a verse to back up what you're teaching and give me Bible to back up your verse. Don't give me a one-liner. You can stick that in your ear. I don't want to hear it. Don't give me a one-liner out of the Word of God to tell me what you want to make, make it say because you can take a one-liner, you can take a one verse and almost make the Bible say whatever you want. You give me a verse and you back it up with Scripture that puts it in the context from in the beginning to amen and you've got something to preach. Otherwise, keep your opinion to yourself. I don't want it. And there's enough opinionated preaching going on. There's enough opinionated stuff going on, and it's killing the church. It's causing fight within, and it's got the world out there looking on. I don't want none of that. Well, that's all free. I probably should have just waited and preached this on Sunday morning. Everybody needs to hear this part. Unity and uniformity are not the same thing. Anybody listening? Unity and uniformity are not the same thing. But pushing uniformity will destroy unity. Everybody understand that? I need to say that again. To push uniformity, to push traditions of men will destroy unity. We don't all have to fit together uniformly to be united. God didn't make us all the same. He made us all different. He said we're all different parts of the body, fitly joined together to make one. So we're not even supposed to be identical twins, are we? We're all supposed to have our own different parts that God brings to the table to use us to, to do what he wants done. But we are to be united as one in Christ. That doesn't mean we're exactly like. That means we are united under the word of God. Verse 2 says, for one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak. Y'all see that part? Another who is weak eateth herbs. Now, what that says in plain, simple English, one believe he may eat all things because the Bible says that God created all things and all things are good. But, but here, the one who another who is weak eateth herbs. So you got one hanging on to tradition says you can't eat the meat. So it calls him a weaker vessel in that verse. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. Let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. He says it's not that big of a deal. One man believes this side, one man believes this side, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't split the church. It shouldn't be this great big argument. 
He says the stronger Christian is not to judge the weaker brother and call him superstitious or call him narrow-minded or start a bunch of things, nor is the weaker brother to condemn the stronger brother as being worldly because he doesn't keep his traditions. He says God received him. What's it to you? If you're God's child, it's between you and God. What's it to me? Again, we're not dealing with blatant sin here. Sin has to be dealt with. Sin is what is against the law of the word of God. And sin is to be dealt with first and foremost. He's talking about traditions right here. He's dealing with arguments that are between the Greek and the Jew or the Gentile and the Jew that have brought traditions in right here. I mean, today you got people on both sides of the fence when it comes to dress code. I, I told y'all a couple weeks ago, somebody was talking about what, what I wear. And I said, if you don't like what I wear, you're probably at the wrong church because I'm not changing for you or anybody else. I wear what I'm comfortable in and I'm going to stay that way. Is it tradition? I'll call it what you want. I just would not feel right. This is just going to be me. You wear what you want. I don't care. I, now, I, I wouldn't have said Robert, I wouldn't have said that 10 years ago. Well... Let's just move right on before I dig a hole I can't climb out of. When, when it comes to length of hair for men and women, man, you can open up a can of worms in the church. When I mention tattoos, boy, you want to get something stirred up in the church, just get talking about tattoos, whether they're sin, whether they're God. You bring some Old Testament, or not Old Testament, but some old traditional. You really want to open a can of worms. Talk about styles of music. Boy, I mean, you just talk about what music is of God and what music's not of God. What music is the world and what music is of the devil. I mean, you really want to get something started. You can see it right here in the church as it kind of shuffles and moves and some out and some in. As our music kind of changes, the congregation changes. I mean, you want to get something started, boy, you just start talking about what's called Christian music. That There are those that are on both sides of the fence, they want to regiment church and they want to make their ideology make all people conform to what they believe is right and anything else is wrong. Paul says those are weaker vessels. Paul says they're bringing the church down with all this arguing that's going in. They think what they're doing is perfect and nothing else will do. So they try to push others into doing things their way and if you're not doing it their way, then you're wrong. Man's ideology is not what conforms people. Man's ideas is not what's going to lead lost sinners to Christ. It is the word of God and the word of God alone that, that can reach into the heart of a lost soul and convict them and the Holy Spirit step in and draw them so that they might be saved. It is the word of God that is the Holy Spirit alone that can move into the heart of a man, shape a man, mold a man, change a man. And it is the Holy Spirit alone that is to convict that man and teach that man inside what he wants him to know. It is a Christian's responsibility to read the word of God, spend time in prayer and let God teach him. But the Holy Spirit will move inside of each one of us and teach him. So our learning is not to be based on the opinions of other men, but on personal convictions that are placed inside of us by the Holy Spirit. Verse five, one man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. He that eateth not to the Lord, eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself. No man dieth to himself. You know, I, I've told you, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I grew up in a lot of old school 
Pentecostal tradition. I, I grew up in a, in a lot of, of old school legalism. I was taught all kind of things that are traditions of men, and I didn't know it. I, I told you in studying this over the last couple of weeks, I've learned something about myself. I, I grew up being taught about things like women have to wear dresses that come to the floor. Now, my mom didn't do that. My family didn't. I didn't learn it in the house, but I learned it at the church. I, I was taught things like women can't cut their hair. Y'all know they had it in a bun? Did y'all ever see them back in the day in a bun? And you didn't think nothing about it. Did you ever see it out of a bun? It touched the floor. They let that bun down. That stuff was to the ground. But, but that was a strict code of religion. That, that was things that, that was taught. Again, I wasn't taught it at home, but I was taught it where we went to church. I, I was taught that wearing a coat and tie was godly. You had to wear the best. Now, well, again, I wasn't taught that at home. At home, my family comes from a poor background. They come from overalls and T-shirts. And I come from a family that said, you just wear your best pair of overalls or the best thing you got to go to church. Main thing is just go to church. But in the church, though, you were frowned on. Can I, can I just go ahead and throw one out there right now? One of the things that killed the van ministry in the first year when I brought it here was I was sending vans and bringing in homeless people into this church. One of the things that killed that was the number of complaints I got from people in this church because they were too dirty and smelt bad. And that came out of Faith Baptist Church. That came out of this church. And, and I had to quit running some vans because of the garbage we were taking on that stuff because we were bringing people in that needed Christ and needed help, but they weren't good enough for us. And that's in Faith Baptist Church seven years ago. That stuff hasn't all died out. That's a lot of stuff. Hey, yeah, man, go out there and get them saved, but don't let them come in here if they don't look clean enough. They don't. I was taught that kind of garbage. If you're going to go to church, you got to look like you belong in church. I'm sorry, but today I got saved. The only reason I look like I belong in church because she made me go to church. It would have been the same thing if I'd have got saved out on the curb. I wouldn't have looked like I belonged in the church. A lot of people got saved in the gutter. They didn't look like they belonged in church, but none of us look like we belong in church. None of us don't act like or believe or even look like in any way that we belong in the family of God. But Jesus said, I do. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee. He said, all my sins are washed away. But we have all this judgmental stuff that we bring in. I was taught that if the music wasn't out of the old red hymnal, then it was devil music. If it didn't come out of that old red book, man, if it wasn't some of the old songs, then, then it, it wasn't going to be any good. See, I was taught to judge people by their appearance. I wasn't taught that point blank. I was never once told judge people by their appearance. And if they don't look like you, stay away from them. But that's what they taught. I'm telling you that because that's what I learned. You know how I know that? Because when I got saved, January 5th, 1986, at New Hope Baptist Church, First thing I did was I reached into my past and I drug all of that stuff up there with me. And I said, now this is what you got to look like to be a Christian. This is how you got out. And I brought all of that stuff with me. And for years, I came to this church believing a lot of that stuff. Ten years later in 1996, I joined Faith Baptist Church still believing a lot of that stuff. That the, God is still dealing with me on music. Y'all know as well as I do. That's, how, that's been a turnaround in the last seven years that God has shown me that he's got people writing all kind of music to love him with all their heart. But that's not what I was taught. 
It was traditions of men. It was held on to. And there's things that still cause great debate in the church. What Paul says, those that are stirring up that stuff, they think they're the mighty ones in the church. They think they're the ones because they make all the law. They have all the say. So Paul says they're the weaker vessels. They're the ones causing the problem. See, in, in the church growing up, they didn't think they were teaching me what they were teaching me. But I'm telling you what I learned. And I'm telling you, that's where I got it from. And, and I'm telling you, a lot of that stuff is still alive and well. A, a lot of that stuff is still being held on to. I guess the best way of putting it is, is if you wanted to be saved and you wanted to be a Christian and you wanted to go to church with us, then you needed to conform. You need to go out and get yourself a better looking coat. You need to get yourself a tie, shine your shoe. You need to get your hair cut short. I don't know how you get them tattoos washed off, but if you don't go to church around here, you better get rid of them things. I I'm telling you, a lot of churches are preaching conformity. We ought to be preaching unity. We, we can be one in Christ, amen? I, I will say this. It, it, I, I've been studying this. I, I'm not in any way, in any way, even slightly insinuating that I have arrived or that I'm a stronger Christian. I'm just learning more and more about what a work in progress I truly am. I, I'm just learning more and more about how much Christ has had to get out of me and how much filth and garbage is still in me. It just shows me how far away from being like Christ I, I, I truly am. I no, I no longer look at how people dress and decide whether or not they ought to be in church. Y'all go ahead and say amen. I'm not the only one in here that's believed that stuff. Some of you think, I still do. God help you. Amen. You probably ain't very comfortable around here because we got from the dirtiest pair of shorts to some high-dollar suits, and, and every one of them's washed in the same blood. Written in the same book, going to the same heaven, saved by the same grace, name written in the same Lamb's book of life, loved by the same God, price paid for by the same Son of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't care what's on out here. It's all about in here. But you got weaker vessels saying, oh, uh -uh, this matters. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. If it does, then God is the one to tell somebody that. I no longer look at people who listen to contemporary music as being those that are just trying to see how close to the world they can get without getting back out there in it. Oh, I believe that. Said it on more than one occasion. Mess stood right in his pulpit and said, don't go back seven years and listen. They don't tell what I might have preached. I'm beating the screws out of this thing on Wednesday night. That, that, that means it's time to move on. Gotcha. If, if it is love that truly binds us, if, if love is truly the one thing that drives us to serve the Lord, then uniformity is not necessary for unity. But unity is necessary. How else can you love one another? For by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that ye have love one to another. That's how the world sees it. You know how they know we love each other? They see the unity. The reason, the reason they, they don't want a lot of what we got is a lot of times because they don't see the unity. They see the spat. They see the argument going in. How many, how many people would 
say that, that we believe that, that Christ is the center of the church. Christ is the center of salvation. Christ is the center of the family. Christ is the center of everything. Our goal is not to be like anybody else, but to be like Christ. So recently, I don't know if it was Wednesday or Sunday, but we recently looked at that. If you're measuring yourself against someone to see how you're doing to make yourself feel better about yourself, you got the wrong measuring stick. Anytime you want to measure, Christ is the answer. Christ is the measuring stick. That's the measuring cup you need to pour yourself into. You realize you're just a dot in the bottom of it. Don't come anywhere near filling it up. So, so we, we make ourselves think better things by comparing ourselves to the wrong comparison. How can all of us who come from different backgrounds and, and different teachings and, to be honest, different lifestyles, how can we all come together and be united as one. So I had Miss Frieda load me a wagon wheel. You got, you got my wagon wheel? So I, I was, I thought about even trying to get one to bring in, but that's okay, the picture works fine. Y'all looking at the wheel? If this wheel was a picture of Christ and the church, that is, the, that's the overall picture. That's the whole church age from beginning to end, uh, from, from, from the day when, when Christ come out of tomb start of the church age to the day Christ comes back and gets it. That is the church. That is the picture of the entire complete church. Where would Christ be on that? Dead in the center. He would be the hub that everything is around. He would be the axle. Christ is the axle in dead center. Everything else is around Christ. All of us together, don't take my wheel down. All of us together are on that wheel. All of Faith Baptist Church, matter of fact, all of the church, period, but let's just stay at faith for right now. Matter of fact, let's just stay with a little small part of faith. This little handful of us is here. All of us are on this wheel. I would tend to say that when we got saved, we probably came in on the outside of the wheel. Is that a fair assumption? Pretty fair consideration. We got saved. Hey, we were in the family. We didn't jump right up in the seat at the right hand of Jesus Christ, but, but we got saved. We're in the wheel. A lot of people just stay in the wheel. A lot of people just stay around the surface. A lot of people just stay around the outside. They come to church every once in a while, most time on Sunday morning, but they're pretty content to just be in the family. That's not being judgmental, is it? I mean, is that being fair? We, we know some people like that, don't we? Is that, that fair? Okay, some people get a little more involved. Some people become the spokes on the wheel. They start working their way toward the center. But, but what I see is for the one that is truly in, for the one that truly desires to be closer to God, he reads God's word, he spends time in prayer, and he seeks God with all of his heart, and, and he seeks first the will of God the way Matthew 6, tells us to, that later on all those things will be added to you, but just seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and they're working to draw closer to God. Do you notice something about the will? The closer you get to God, the closer you get together. Oh, that's almost good preaching right there. I can't even believe I thought of something that good. 
That's the same way of you and I as a church. If we focused on Christ, we're so worried about that third spoke over there. It's got a scratch on it. That third spoke ain't none of my business. I got to get down the spoke I'm trying to get to to get to where Christ is at. So if we all become oriented, working to try to get to the centerpiece to where Christ is at, the closer we get to Christ, the more united we become as a church. But we're so busy worried about splitting hairs over traditions of men. Paul says those are the weaker vessels. Those are the ones stirring up trouble within, in the church. Those are the ones causing all of the issues. Traditions of men. Finger pointing. Backbiting. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. I still got a whole lot more notes, but it's 8 o'clock. Let, 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 me, let me give you this for close. After death, after death, every opinion will fade into an insignificant nothing. After death, well, I don't have to say, right now that's all that matters. We drag a lot of opinions and opinionated stuff into it. After death, this is all that's going to be left. There's going to be one throne, one God, one judgment, one rule, one word, and it's his. And all those opinions are going to amount to nothing. Beyond the grave, Christ will reign supreme. Nothing else is going to matter. So the things that are dividing the church right now are the things that, that God wants out of the church. You wouldn't have had Paul write about weaker vessels and stirring up things within the church. If we're all Christ-minded, if we could all be walking in unison with Christ, one last question. I don't want to work your brain too hard on a Wednesday night. One last question, and we'll read a verse and close. If we were all walking in unison with Christ, then we would all be walking in unison with who? Each other. Is that what you said? Okay, it sounded like government. You sure you said each other? I'm just kidding. If we're all walking in unison with Christ, then we're all walking in unison together. So if there is a dispute, if, if there's an issue between you and a brother, between anybody else in the church, let's get the Bible out and solve it. If we can find it in this book, then whoever's against it in this book's got something to straighten out. If you can't find it in the book and you're preaching it, teaching it, then you're teaching the opinions of men. You're teaching traditions that have been drug up for a long time, and that stuff is killing the church, dividing the church, destroying the church. This word is to build you and I into completion, into perfection, into the image of Christ. This word is to mold us and shape us and make us into the image of Christ. And if we we're all in the image of Christ, then we'd all be in the same image. But the devil wants to add little things in. The devil knows this book better than you and I are ever going to. Until we see the face of Jesus, we will never know this book the way the devil knows it. So the devil knows how to put one little crooked hair in there to make a twist, to get somebody's feathers ruffled to cause dissension in the church. And once he gets it in there, 
It's hard to get it out. Amen. Well, let me, let me read this one and we'll just close. Why dost thou judge thy brother? 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 Miss Frieda, did my screens tear up? Verse number 10, Romans chapter 14, verse number 10. Why, why, why dost thou judge thy brother? Boy, that's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? It ain't my job to judge you. It ain't, it ain't our job to judge another. Why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's Christians. We all know that. It's Wednesday night, right? I don't need to explain that. That's not the great white throne of judgment. That, that's not coming after the seven-year tribulation, the thousand-year millennial reign, when all of death and hell is cast into the lake of fire. That's you and I. That, that judgment seat of Christ is what's going on while hell on earth is going on down here in that seven-year tribulation period. That's prior to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's the judgment seat of Christ. That's you and I as Christians being judged. He says we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Why do we judge each other if we know that each other's got to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? What he says, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Well, it's a good thing I ran out of time. That's probably about all we could take for one Wednesday night anyway. Um, there are seven judgments that, that are dealt with. And so, Lord willing, we'll, we'll look. When we get about four or five more verses down, we'll look at the seven judgments that are in there next week and, and look at what Paul has to say and kind of conclude this up in Romans chapter 14. But it's amazing how if you take that book and study it, it'll teach you stuff about yourself. And, and a lot of stuff, y'all help me now. Don't leave me up here by myself. I don't want to be the only one. A lot of stuff is rooted and grounded in so deep that it's harder to pull out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A lot of it's harder to admit. That really ain't Bible. Whether I believed it or not. I, I've been taught it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody feel like you're a work in progress beside me? I hope so. I don't want to be up here all by my lonesome self. God, thank you so much for loving somebody like me. God, thank you for long-suffering, for patience that I absolutely don't understand. God, I, I look back at when I thought I was going to church and being here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, dressing the best I could dress and working in programs in the church and thinking I was doing all that and looking down my nose at other people. And I realized Paul wrote a letter talking about me. He called me a weaker vessel. And God, uh, I guess before I can be a better vessel, I've got to realize how weak I really am, Father. And I, I just thank you for your word, God. I I thank you that it pierces the hearts of men. I thank you that it divides soul and marrow, bone marrow asunder. And God, I pray you'd take that word and continue to teach us, God, to shape us, help us at Faith Baptist Church to be your church, God. Lord, 
Lord, I, I believe we together in this room right here, Lord, I, I believe your words says two or more agree. I think we'd agree everyone in this place. God, we want to be the grease on the axle because that's about the closest thing that gets to the axle is the grease on the edge, Father. I just, I want to be right up against you. I want to be as close as I can get. And Father, I realize I'm still on the outside of that wheel, Lord. But Lord, with your help, we're going to keep trying to work our way down and get closer to the center, Father. I pray you continue to take your word and teach us and shape us and mold us into your image, God. God, I pray you'd help us to learn to love other people, throw away traditions, throw away Lord, garbage thoughts, and help us to love people the way Christ loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ came. Thank you, God, for being so good. We love you.